You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to our ancestral helping spirits, to those people who lived well and died well and bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines as the legacy that we can draw on. I call out to these men and women who didn't do everything perfectly but rose to the challenges of their time that held true to that which is deep and meaningful and eternal in our understanding of how human beings need to live here on this earth And people who also were willing to risk, to change, to heal, and to move on and to do things differently. And I call out to these ancestors with their reconciled lives to be with us, to stand behind us as that firm hand at our back. And help to give us that constant uh, little shove into our own life, but also to have that deep and strong feeling that they have our back. And so for these ancestors, I'm deeply grateful, and I call them in so that the living receive the support that they need to do what they must do for those who are coming. And I reach beyond the human ancestors to the life that has been here much longer than there have been people here. We call out to those non-human ancestral helping spirits, and we call them in to be with us here today and help us to remember our own true nature. Help us to stay true to the passion that moves us in our life to do what is unique for us to do. Let us be the men and women that we truly came here to be and not be lost in the pressures of the masses. We call out to these non-human helping spirits to help us to remember those things that allow us to cultivate our soul in our lives and to spend our time and energy and resources on those things so that our soul is grows through the way we choose to live this life and that all those other things can be um, at the bottom of the list and often forgotten. So may we do that which abides, that which does go with us when we die and may all of life all around us help us to remember how to do what it is that is our part to do in that great web of life. And so as all of these helping spirits gather around us here today, let us gather ourselves from wherever it is that we might be And gather our awareness into our own mind and move from our mind to our heart. Move from our heart to our belly. And from our belly, let us reach down and touch the earth. And if we're able, to actually bend a knee and actually touch the earth. And to give thanks for this day. Thanks for all that has been in your life that has brought you to this moment. All those gifts, those you've opened and those you've not figured out yet how to transform. But we give gratitude for them all nonetheless. Gratitude for all that is here in this moment. And gratitude for all that will be. We give thanks to the earth for the place for our life's journey. For the beauty and the diversity along that journey. For the many, many teachings. And for the generosity in this dream that allows us to change anything as long as we are still breathing. And for all of this great assistance from the earth and all of life here on earth, we are deeply, deeply grateful and in awe for the simple magic and wonder that is life itself. And with our hearts opened by this awareness and the gratitude flowing, we move our awareness down through the surface of the earth into the layers of the earth, allowing our gratitude to flow out to each layer as our energy moves down towards the very center of the earth and let us anchor ourselves firmly there at the center of the earth and to move deeply into that energy that is before all of the abundance and diversity and beauty here on earth but that which is the potential before that which is nourished and made powerful in stillness and darkness in silence and in peace 
And let us reach deeply into that energy and draw it up into our lives in great gratitude for its presence as it rises up to teach us the wisdom of how to be manifest in form in a good way. And we call up the energy of the earth to refresh, renew, restore, replenish, to nourish us, to help us to be made new, to approach this new day. And from the energy of the earth, we ask to learn how to connect and interconnect and to be in right relationship. Help us to understand who we are and where we stand and what we stand for. Let us build our sense of home and belonging to these things that matter to our heart, that which we are willing to stand for. And may we build that sense of home and hearth and belonging in a way that is open to those who are other than we are, those who think differently and look different than we do. And may we invite them to our table, that we might engage in conversation and exchange of energy and ideas in a way that opens us to grow into the men and women we were born to be. And as we learn to connect with others, let us learn to connect with ourselves. Learn to connect in right relationship with our environment, with all of the energies around us, visible and invisible. And as we learn to come into right relationship with so many different layers and realms of things, let us ask the earth to have one moment of connection to that great web of life, that we can see our place within it and know that we are one with all things. And may we take our right relationship with ourself from that knowing. And let us continue to draw the energy of the earth up from our bellies to our hearts and our hearts to our minds and from our minds up and out and into the sky above, whatever weather it holds for you today, up and out through the sky, out through the atmosphere, out through the cosmos, letting your energy be caressed by all the heavenly bodies and caress them back, reaching out into the deep velvet darkness of the cosmos all the way to the highest power of the universe and by, by whatever way you know this energy whatever name you name it reach out to it call out to it become one with it and let it to become one with you and begin to draw this energy down drawing it into yourself into your day into these proceedings and in this way we call down this radiant energy from above we call down this essence energy of blessing and protection we call these energies into our lives and ask to learn about commitment and devotion and to receive the benevolence of our universe and put it into action in our world. We call out to this energy above to inspire and illuminate the way, particularly when we have a moment of feeling lost or in the dark. And we call in the beneficence of this universe. Let it help us to remember and keep things in perspective. And as we call these energies in from above and send them down from our head to our heart to our belly and into the earth, let us imagine that we can actually feel these two legendary lovers coming together within us, earth and sky, coming together in the profound big love, that big love that dreamt this entire experience of form into existence. And let us invite that big love to awaken the spirit of our own human heart. And may that heart awaken within it the crucible of transformation that is unique to the heart. That ability to call up the fiery passions of the belly and the crystal clarity of the mind. And let these two energies so different in their own nature dance together there in the heart where they are each accepted and held precisely as they are. And in the dance of that dynamic tension May they give birth to a third and most sacred thing, that knowing, that memory, that sense of why it is that we are here. And may you find the courage in that very same human heart to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts, that expression of why it is that you are here into manifestation in the world. And for all of the spirit help that is around us at all times, helping us to do that, I am deeply grateful. May what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I'd like to give thanks to a bunch of living things, humans, who have been generous and have donated to the show. So I give thanks to Sarah and Julie and Chad, to Mark, Joanna, Sif and Laura and all of the other listeners who've been able to donate financially. Why Shamanism Now is listener supported. It would not exist on the air live each week 
or with over 350 hours um, of podcasts in the archives, free for those who can get onto the internet. This would not be possible without listeners like you who have been willing to donate to the show. Most donations are small, some are regular monthly donations, but they all go to keeping the show alive and on the air, and they pay those bills so that it can be made real for anyone who has access, and I'm deeply grateful for this. And I'm also thankful for those of you that are able to donate uh, energy, resources in other ways to help the show to grow. Um, you can share about shows that have affected you on the Facebook page. You can share different postings for the shows. You can bring the teachings into your life, into your own journeys, into your journey circles. Um, wrestle with them. See if you can break them. See what questions come up. Send the questions in. Many of the questions of listeners become new shows for the future. And I ask you all to continue to engage in a way that keeps the show alive and vital and meaningful to those of us who are endeavoring to bring shamanism into our daily life in a practical way. And so for all the help that you offer in all of the many ways, large and small, I give thanks. So we are live here today. If you have questions about today's topic, which is ancestors and descendants, working with the helping spirits, you are welcome to call in at 512-772-1938, or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com website, um, or you can simply email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and um, share your questions. And for those of you that would like to donate but don't want to do that online, you can also just send me an email at the same um, email address and I'd be happy to send you a regular old address for a regular old check. Okay, so we are forging ahead in what will be a series now for several weeks about working with different kinds of helping spirits. And as I said last week, this series was born out of a slowly growing irritation (laughs) with the fact that people are starting to write about shamanism and journeying and helping spirits in a way that's starting to present this experience as if it is somehow codified. And so then this is spawning a whole bunch of emails of people panicking because the totally valid journey experience they're having And the totally valid experience they're having with helping spirits isn't showing up exactly the way it did on the website. It isn't happening exactly the way the teacher told them that it would. And what I would like from these um, next several shows is that you begin to open up your own um, imagination and your own confidence to work with your helping spirits, to forge strong working relationships and allow them to move into intimacy as you as a unique individual work with your helping spirits who are also unique in their own particular helping spirit sort of way. And um, so with that said, um, last week's show was about um, working with helping spirits in general. And this week we're going to talk specifically about ancestral helping spirits And also the possibility of working with the descendants, which is a little bit of a delicate situation, but I thought I would bring it up nonetheless. So why would you want to work uh, with ancestors? Why would you want a relationship with your ancestors when you can't stand your own relations? When the very abuse you're endeavoring to heal from through your shamanic work was abuse dealt in your own family with your own relations? And that is a fair question especially when so much addiction and depression and social pressure and sexual dysfunction gets handed down generation to generation, particularly here in the Western world. Um, What we fail to understand, as we do notice these patterns being handed down, what we fail to understand is that it is our break with our ancestral helping spirit spirits that is in a large part why we experience such illness and abuse of power being handed down through our family lines. So these two issues are entwined, both as the illness aspect of it and as the healing aspect of it. Um, So as we mend our relationship with our ancestral helping spirits and we begin to learn from those who have gone before us, 
then we can properly reach to the descendants for perspective on asking for more from life and more from ourselves. So there's already about a half dozen shows in the archives at whyshamanismnow.com about working with the ancestors, what is an ancestral helping spirit, um, ancestral healing, what is it, why do we need it, um, etc. And it is not my intent today to repeat those shows. Um, what I would like to talk about today is um, how we work with ancestral helping spirits as helping spirits. Okay, so back to the beginning. Helping spirits take many forms in our journeys, many, many forms. Helping spirits can be animals. We tend today to refer to these as power animals or totem animals, but honestly, totem animal is not used consistently person to person and to the extent that that distinction between a totem animal and a power animal is meaningless um, across the board it might be meaningful to you depend on how you and your teacher define it it might have a meaning but it's not used consistently and the point is we're all just talking about animal form helping spirits there are also plant helping spirits there are fungi helping spirits um, there are insect helping spirits. I mean, think of the caterpillar sitting on the red toadstool with white spots in Alice. can't remember whether it's through the looking glass or down the rabbit hole, but my point is helping spirits. <laughs> okay. Fungi, insects, some insects, some fish, mythical beasts and mythical beings. Um, cultural icons, deities, ancestors, ancestral helping spirits, angels, elemental um, energies, um, helping spirits of the land. So that can be anything from the smallest sprite here in the garden tending the rosemary that's growing there to the gigantic, utterly non-human spirits that inhabit the huge volcanic mountains that are up and down uh, North and South America. In Peru, for example, they are referred to as Apus. But these, um, and, and every level of helping spirit, a land, um, land-based helping spirit in between. So what can show up as um, a helping spirit is vast. Um, and, and they're not codified. They don't only live in the upper world or the lower world. Some of them don't even believe in upper world or lower world. They don't only teach certain things. All of this sort of tendencies that are starting to become rules out there on the internet. Just don't read people who write about shamanism as if it's always the same way or always this or always that or this is the truth. Just stop reading those people. There's more than enough information out there and your best source of information about shamanism is your own helping spirits. And the primary way to communicate directly with your helping spirits is to learn to journey. Okay, so I just answered a whole bunch of basic questions right there. Once you've learned to journey and you learn to communicate with your helping spirits, then you're able to more easily recognize them in all of the many other ways we can communicate with our helping spirits. But if, if you are frustrated in communicating with your helping spirits, do not feel clear in communicating with your helping spirits, stop dicking around and learn to journey. That is the solution the helping spirits gave us tens of thousands of years ago and it's still the same answer so stop waiting for something else and just do it it's just one practice I mean it's no more than a weekend in my world it's a day just learn to journey and cultivate your relationship with your helping spirits and then you can build on the many variations of that theme of how humans work with their helping spirits once you have that core way of communicating down Okay, so back to ancestors. Okay, so why do we need to work with ancestral helping spirits? Um, how will we cultivate a strong working relationship with true ancestral helping spirits? Avoid ghosts, which is the key caution in working with ancestral helping spirits. 
And how can we use our relationship with our ancestors to mend our feelings of alienation and isolation and loneliness that we many of us feel as contemporary people? Okay, so for me, prior to shamanism in my life, I grew up in a small town, I had basically a lovely family, um, pretty privileged in a lot of ways. I'm not going to pretend that's not the case, you know, white woman, middle class back in the days when we had a middle class, etc. Okay, and nonetheless, I never fit in. I never fit into any particular group. I was kind of on the fringes of many groups, many cliques as they're called today, but never really at the heart of any of them. And that continued throughout my entire life, actually. And this is not a sob story. I'm just saying that for many of, many of you think, <laughs> bless your hearts, because of the radio show and because of all the things that I do now as a woman, mature woman, that I didn't struggle with exactly the same things you're struggling with. So I'm just sharing this story to say, even for all of the advantages that I was given, given the nature of my birth, I still suffered with alienation and isolation, not so much loneliness, because I actually like being alone. But the point is, I didn't fit in, and I didn't feel that I belonged. And at times, it was excruciatingly painful for me. And sometimes, not never more painful than when you're actually with a bunch of people, especially when those people apparently all seem to fit in. Now, of course, as an older, wiser person, I realized they were just better at faking it than I was. But at the time, you know, doesn't it always feel like you're the only one, right, who doesn't fit in, doesn't belong, doesn't whatever. Anyway, so my point is that none of this changed as I began in shamanism, working with helping spirits, um, learning to do shamanic healing, working with clients. So I'm finding my a great expression for my soul's purpose, beginning to teach the retreats that eventually become the cycle teachings. All of this is starting to happen. And this is going on for years. And I still don't belong. I still don't feel I fit in for all of the healing, all of the right work, all of the everything else working. The bottom line is even at trainings with other people training in shamanism where everybody's talking about the same thing and nobody's thinking that you're weird, I still didn't feel a deep sense of belonging. And I grew up in a small town, you know, so you'd think there'd be some sense of kind of small town belonging, but it didn't matter. I didn't. Again, not a sob story. My point is it was not until I forged true working relationships with ancestral helping spirits that all of the issue around belonging evaporated. I didn't do any healing. I didn't do any personal story work. It wasn't about a huge healing with my heart. It wasn't about any of that. My intent was to forge a working relationship with my ancestral helping spirits on each of the floor bloodlines. What I got from that, one of the profound side effects from that, was that feeling that I didn't belong and that I was always not kind of on the fringes, but never belonging, never held well, never really inside, changed purely by the virtue of reconnecting my living self with the dead with my ancestors as true ancestral helping spirits. Now that meant kind of jumping over a big old pile of relations that are problematic, but so what? The point is our sense of belonging to continue to reach for a sense of belonging here with the living is missing the point of where belonging comes from. It does not come from your family of origin. It does not come from the country of your origin. It comes from your ancestors. And so the primary relationship to forge a deep working relationship with your ancestral helping spirits is to belong to the world, belong to your time, and to stop allowing your energy to go into that excruciating pain and focus your energy on what you are here to do. And they, they are the remedy for the living of that malady. So that is the most important reason to develop 
a relationship with your ancestral, ancestral helping spirits. The second most important reason is they are the best energy to create a buffer for you between your desire to live your life and all of the unresolved dead people in your line, all of the relations, the dead relations that are trying to hijack your life to resolve what is unresolved in their life. And that, that is that feeling of the weight or the burden of things being handed down from the ancestors, of the, the illness that's handed down through the generations. That energy is coming not from ancestral helping spirits, but from unresolved dead people, otherwise known as ghosts, that are unfortunately often referred to as my ancestors. I would, I would prefer that people start referring to them as my dead relations <laughs> so that we can start to understand there's an excruciatingly important distinction in terms of illness and wellness for ourselves as the living to make a distinction between ancestral helping spirits and the unresolved dead. Okay, so, and my point was that the ancestral helping spirits help to create a buffer between our life and our freedom to live it as we choose to and the unresolved energy of our relations. Okay, so what's the difference? They're both dead, right? So what's the difference? The difference with a proper ancestral helping spirit, meaning functional and able to behave like an ancestral helping spirit, is, well, the fundamental thing is they don't need anything. Why don't they need anything? They don't need anything because when they died, they completed their journey of crossing over in, in its entirety, which means after the there's blah, 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 and then there's reconciling your life. And that is not a place of judgment. It's a place of putting your life into perspective in terms of what, how did your soul grow in this life? Did it grow in this life? What mistakes do you want to make darn sure you don't do again in your next incarnation? What are the gifts you want to bring into your next incarnation? How do you reconcile the life that you had as the choices that cultivated this soul, this, this incarnation of the soul? And then there's moving from that reconciling place through to what I call the transition place because it's the place where now really the spirit world is in charge of everything and it's best, it's easiest for us as humans to not go there. You can if you're a trained shamanic practitioner, but it's hard. It's easier to just hand them off. At this point, let the helping spirits that are completely designed to do this job and only this job to meet them, greet them, and take them the rest of the way. And what is the rest of the way? Where are they going? Ultimately, they are going to reconnect with the source, to become one again with the oneness. And the immortal soul is going to go on its immortal way and get in line to incarnate again. Okay, so if that's happening, who's your ancestral helping spirit? So your ancestral helping spirit is entirely uh, uh, created of the energy in every life, the soul energy in every life that is created by our choices, good and bad. So the quality of an ancestral helping spirit has everything to do with the sum total of the choices they made in life, good and bad, and how that did or didn't cultivate their soul and their reconciliation of those choices. And so in it, that's why the ancestral helping spirit of great grandma Barbara looks and acts like great grandma Barbara because it's connected to that person and how they live their life and the, and the quality of choices that they made. The important thing about an ancestral helping spirit is that they are connected to all the ancestral helping spirits. I refer to them as the luminous ones and they're, they've all been sort of restored through their connection with the source. And so it's an energy that returns that is very much connected to the life lived. And this is the energy, for example, in stories about dead shamans and how the shaman spirit gets um, incarnated, not incarnated, sorry. I didn't mean incarnated. I meant jumps into an already living person, that's different than incarnating, and gives that person all of their wisdom about shamanism. This is really typical in living traditions around shamanism and I've met some shamans that have had that experience so it's not just in the literature 
So what's happening is that this sort of personality soul, the, the soul that is really carrying the sum total of the wisdom gained through those choices, which for someone who spends their life as a shaman is very much about shamanic healing, that energy then is available to go in and connect with as a helping spirit to the, the new shaman, you know, a generation or two down who's still living. And so it's not that they're necessarily possessing the person they're coming to to offer their wisdom, but they're working very intimately as an ancestral helping spirit at that point. Um, and for some, that relationship is so intimate and so close, it is as if that energy resides with the living. The important distinction is, and the reason it is not a possession, is because it is healthy for the living. It brings them protection. It brings them particularly protection against unresolved energy of other ancestors. And it offers the wisdom and the guidance of that life. If this were an unresolved energy of the dead, of a relation, that was glomming on to a person, it would feel like possession. It would at least feel like you're being hijacked. It would feel like... Um, freedom and possibilities don't exist for you that there's a certain reality that's constantly being restored in your mind no matter the power of the work that you do to change those beliefs and ideas so it's a it's a very unhealthy dynamic for the living to get glommed onto by unresolved energy of the ancestors is an extremely healthy relationship for the living to be in intimate working relationship with ancestral helping spirits so the point is the unresolved energy of the ancestors are ghosts. They died and they didn't go anywhere. They're hanging around. They're not any smarter now than they were when they were living. Ancestral helping spirits completed their journey, crossed over, and have come back. So I receive a whole bunch of questions that are minutiae around ancestral helping spirits. You know, can my dead brother be my ancestral helping spirit? What about children? You know, this whole sort of being what I see is too attached to the literal definition of life here on earth instead of recognizing any one of your relations who is deceased and who has crossed over completely, reconnected with the source and is willing to come back as an ancestral helping spirit is an ancestral helping spirit, even if it's a seven-year-old kid. All right? So don't worry about the idea of uh, – don't get too attached to time in other words. Okay, so that's an ancestral helping spirit, and that is the big distinction between ghosts and ancestral helping spirits, and that is the main caution in working with them. So you'll notice in the shows, I don't call out just to the ancestors. I define that, that I'm calling out to those who lived well and died well, or those who are ancestral helping spirits, or those who bring all that is good and true and beautiful and legacy. These are all coded phrases for speaking to ancestral helping spirits only. And drawing a very clear line with that language between ancestral helping spirits and the dead who haven't gone anywhere. And it's very important. The most important thing in your work with ancestral helping spirits is to be clear about the distinction and draw that line with your language. And many people don't do this because it's not necessary in traditional shamanic cultures, so this isn't what they were taught. But the majority of us don't live in traditional shamanic cultures. We live in cultures that do not tend the dead well, and the dead don't go anywhere because they didn't necessarily live well. So we need to deal with the reality of our time. And in our time, it's critically important when working with ancestors that we make this distinction between the dead that need help and the ancestral helping spirits who are also dead that are here to help us. Okay. Now, I said I wasn't going to repeat all those other shows, but I just did. Sorry about that. Okay, so why? Why would we work with ancestral helping spirits? To create this sense of belonging and this eternal through line of love that comes from the dead, ancestral helping spirits, to the living. And ultimately, once we get ourselves organized properly, we're able to extend our love out into the future uh, to the descendants in a way that is not our own projection or desperate grasping for the descendants to rescue us from our inability to live our life here. That's the diciness with working with the descendants. But the important thing is the belonging, that putting 
the effort to live your soul's purpose, which can get solipsistic if you don't, and very self-centered, if you don't connect that I'm the living, I'm here to do my thing with the ancestors behind you and the descendants in front of you, and you put your gifts then in this great wheel, this great cycle of life. It's important to hold that perspective. The ancestral helping spirits are um, particularly powerful in giving us support in the everyday issues of human life. Rent, food, you know, survival stuff, frustrations with um, home and family, our work in the world, um, all of that kind of stuff. Just the everyday stuff that they have much more understanding of it. They have more patience for it where it is real. And like other helping spirits, they will be impatient with it and give you a kick in the seat of the pants where it is just your suffering over your suffering or you're missing the point. Um, and so I'm not saying they're going to indulge you. But when you say I am distraught and freaking out over rent, your ancestral helping spirits know what that means and will help you address that as a survival issue. Whereas you say that to tiger spirit or hawk spirit and they look at you like you're crazy and want to go have a journey, right? They, it's like rent, what's rent, right? So they help you with the mechanics of human life to a degree as long as those mechanics of human life are real issues that you do need to address. Um, the helping spirits can amplify your passion and your confidence in going forward with your dreams, your visions, your passion, whatever it is, regardless of what's going on in ordinary reality. So, so for example, I would say I mostly use my non-ancestral helping spirits in an effort to engage in my shamanic healing practice, to offer the teachings, to grow the last mask um, community, all of those, that work that I'm doing in the world is primarily, I engage in it, I, I problem solve about it with non-ancestral helping spirits. But when it comes to my actions in my everyday life to do it, I would say the most present helping spirits in the day-to-day -day of it are my ancestors, sort of like once I've shaped the dreams and visions and brought it into action, they're right there with their hand at the back, pushing me into those actions and trying to help me to stay focused on those things I have committed to do. And so they're not here to hijack my dreams or my visions or even necessarily to help me problem solve those. In many ways, the non-human helping spirits are better for that because they're not limited by the past. But what the ancestral helping spirits have is perspective on the past and, the, and that ability to say, don't falter. Don't be afraid of that. Have confidence. Believe in your dream. That, that ability to know exactly the right energy to offer as we falter as humans because they were human and they understand that. I mean, a lot of my other helping spirits often have to be reminded that I'm human, right? That I'm not just spirit here. So they, so the ancestral helping spirits can really amplify your passion and your confidence going forward towards it. Um, similarly, they can really amplify that, that little niggling feeling you're about to make a gross mistake that they can actually help you to sense that red flag and really recognize it as the red flag that it is and not dismiss it and go make that stupid mistake again, right? So they can help us in both ways, both sides of that whole taking action in the world challenge of life. Um, for me, because I do have a shamanic healing practice, the presence of ancestral helping spirits in my everyday life did begin to influence my practice and continue to develop my understanding of how we actually help the unresolved ancestors or relations, sorry, ghosts. <laughs> so, um, all right, so that's what an ancestral helping spirit is and those are the primary reasons that we would call them in. They are a very strong protective force for you as a human in the everyday world. And so it's a, 
in a sense, protection goes without saying for helping spirits. But I was surprised. I was teaching the fourth year, and the students were working with um, creating their own ancestral helping spirits through that healing process. And they were surprised that I, I asked my helping my ancestral helping spirits for protection. And it's like I ask all my helping spirits for protection because I have a hard enough time in life focusing on what it is I'm supposed to do. And I'm asking them to protect my capacity for infinite distraction to focus on what I'm doing. I'm, no one, I don't, it's not that I'm afraid someone's going to attack me. I'm, I'm worried about myself. And, you know, so when I sit at my ancestral shrine, we'll get there in just a minute. So I give thanks for my life. I ask for help for all the living in my family, which for me doesn't take very long because it's not a very big family, but with my cousins and everybody. Um, and then I ask for protection. And then I ask for help with the actual things that are part of the day. And so that's my normal prayer, my normal work in the morning with the ancestral helping spirits. And protection is a big piece of that. And asking for protection for my whole family. It's a big piece of the job of all the helping spirits. And again, it's not protection because we're all being attacked. It's protection because we need to keep our energy and our resources focused on what it is that we are tending to do and not have it peeled off and frayed away by all the minutiae of contemporary life okay so i hope we're all clear now what is an ancestral helping spirit and what is not an ancestral helping spirit and then many people ask are ancestral helping spirits only humans well if you listen to the beginning invocation of all of the shows at least all of the latter shows you know of course they are that our sense of ancestors in terms of the dreaming that brought life here on the planet goes all the way back to the very origin of the elemental energies and then the first dreamer of the void. I mean, it's, they're all ancestors in that sense of manifestations of life that came before we did. But when I'm talking about ancestral helping spirits specifically, I am, I'm really talking about cultivating the humans in your bloodline and potentially ancestral helping spirits that show up from times you've incarnated in other bloodlines past life in other words so cultivating those working relationships to assist you and so in that case in that frame i am talking about humans okay or beings that were at least once or twice a human okay so our responsibility towards them is to ask for their help so that we heal and transform those things that they left undone or they left as a mess, they left in wrong relationship. So our pact, you know, the dead have a pact with the living. The living have a pact with the dead. Their job is to hold the memory, the reconciliation of things, the perspective on things. Our job is to ask for that help, that perspective, and yet to use the fact that we are alive and we have the power of choice to change, to heal, to grow, to become more expansive, to move beyond. So in other words, ancestral helping spirits do not, in true ancestral helping spirits, do not encourage you, be you a person or a nation, to stay involved in Hatfield and McCoy kind of battles. And so for those of you that aren't American, you might not understand that reference. But the point is um, tribal battles, one tribe against another, especially when one people tries to wipe out another people in genocide, that kind of um, fighting with other people is not coming from your ancestral helping spirits. It's coming from the unresolved dead. So it might be coming from relations, but ancestral helping spirits have perspective and particularly perspective on war, genocide, violence, and abuse of power. And a true ancestral helping spirit does not encourage you to stay limited by the love of your, own, your family of origin and not learn from your family of origin love to expand your love into people that are other than you are. They true ancestral helping spirits don't encourage nationalism 
They encourage getting a sense. True ancestral helping spirits are the first to tell you it's one big human family here on earth. We all go back to the same man and the same woman. We all go back to the same beginning. We're all one family. As interesting as genealogy and all of this is and how human development is fascinating, but we're still all one family. And so true ancestral helping spirits are always on that bandwagon. And they are not encouraging you to behave in ways contrary to that human family. And ultimately, the relationship between the survival of the human family and all the rest of life on earth. So our responsibility to them is to maintain good working relationship so that they are able to help us make better quality decisions going forward in time to heal, to change, to transform, to meet the challenges of our time in a way that innovates what is necessary for all of life to be better off, in a sense. But it, our, our, the main thing is to set right what they were unable to, and particularly to set right the things they set asunder. Okay. So how can we develop and maintain a strong working relationship with the ancestors? And this ties into tending an ancestral shrine. Um, the reason I call it a shrine is because in my world, shrines have basically one energy in them and altars have many, multiple energies um, in them. Okay, so an ancestor shrine has ancestors. So one of the other cautions, first caution is do not work with the dead the ghosts work with ancestral helping spirits okay the second caution is to work with ancestral helping spirits it is best to create a space for your ancestral helping spirits that has doors or a lid or a drawer that you can close or a cupboard that you can shut but some way to close the door some way to greet them in the morning open the door leave your offering sing your song say hello Talk about the help that you need for the day. At the end of the day, to say thank you for the help or you suck because you didn't give me the help. What's going on? What needs to happen? You know, whatever that is. And it's fine to do that, by the way, with your ancestral helping spirits. The point is it needs to be a strong working relationship. And if things aren't working, you need to find out with them what needs to change. How do we make this work? How do I need to do this differently? Either your actions in everyday life or your relationship with the ancestral helping spirits. But my point getting off my point my point was you want to greet them do your day give them thanks end the day and then close the door so that they do not keep working you 24 hours a day it's about having good boundaries not only in the physical world but good boundaries with all of your helping spirits in non-ordinary reality and the, the ancestral helping spirits, because they were here and they had to create homes the way humans do, is they expect a home, a space that's their own. And if you don't put doors on where you put them, they'll move into your whole house and they'll be working everybody in the house. And that can be a bit chaotic and way too much. Um, I just recently installed a new ancestral helping spirit in with those that have been there for years. And that ancestral helping spirit was suddenly completely pushing with all of the things, all the the gifts that I asked for from them is just, just putting them all forward, all, all immediately, all the time. It's like, whoa, wait a minute, living person here, lots of things to do, can't do only this right now for 24 hours a day for seven days, back off <laughs> you know? so it was a calibration issue so again boundaries and boundaries uh, translate as doors and so it's very very helpful and well what's really interesting is in cultures that have long-term traditional relationships with their ancestral helping spirits they often make pieces of furniture that are intended to be shrines for the ancestors mine has not only shutters that close doors that close but a lattice that closes in between so i open the doors open the lattice blah 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 with the ancestors and then close the lattice so during the day while the shrine is active there's still this you know kind of window between us and it just helps me to maintain good relationship with them boundaries make relationships healthy and strong 
And that's the thing people really need to understand. I'm not talking about shielding. I'm talking about healthy boundaries. Okay. So once you create your shrine, you can put any power objects that make sense for your helping spirit, your ancestral helping spirits, um, projects you want their help on, you know, symbols for projects you want their help on, your offerings. I try to have whatever is blooming in the garden in the ancestral altar, connecting them to the seasons and to life. Um, I can almost do that 12 months out of the year. Um, I don't know what else is on there, but basically the point is, what are you asking for their help to do? Um, What you do not want to have on your ancestral helping spirits is the living. You do not want images of the living in an ancestral shrine. I don't actually have any photographs. I have all power objects. Some people have a lot of photographs. My photographs are around because sometimes in the photograph, I don't know if everybody in the photograph is an ancestral helping spirit yet, right? So I only have power objects in my ancestral shrine for the ancestors I know are ancestral helping spirits. The rest is just stuff that has to do with offerings I'm offering to them. Um, I don't know, stuff. It's a lot of stuff in there when I think about that. But anyway, the point is, it all has to do with work I'm doing with them. Okay. So, the other thing about working with ancestors is there is also an ancestral council often where you may not necessarily, once you start working with ancestral helping spirits, you may have a or an ancestral helping spirit that takes you to the council. And the council is gajillions of ancestral helping spirits, and they step forward um, to bring you sort of the best answer to your questions. And so just know that it's not uncommon to have an ancestral council. Okay, so cautions. As I said, do not work with ghosts. Let your shrine have doors. Do not mix the living and the dead. And um, if you have an ancestor who is helping you through harming you, it is potentially a ghost. In other words, you have ancestors that sailed across the Atlantic to pursue their dreams in the new world and the boat went down and everybody died. So those very same ancestral helping spirits may stop you from pursuing your dreams because from their perspective if you pursue your dreams you'll die so they are unresolved they have not reconciled their life they do not have perspective but that doesn't mean they won't still be trying quote unquote to help you and so when you have helping spirits who say I'm an ancestral helping spirit and they help you through harming you they are well intended unresolved dead and they need to be crossed over And then they'll come back and probably be perfectly delightful helping spirits. But they need to reconcile their life first so that they can help you without harming you. Okay, so I'm going to talk quickly here about the descendants. Okay. So with the descendants, it is very nearly impossible to keep from projecting our energies, our ideas, our our fears our panic, our unresolved life issues, and our hopes onto the descendants. And we need to not do that because their world isn't here yet. We are, we are making it now with our choices. And so when we connect with them, we need to do so with a very, very, very light touch. Our every action changes their world. And what matters most is what we we actually do here and now in our time. And it is not the responsibility of the descendants to help you make better choice, uh, make choices for you. Right? That's not their responsibility. What they can help you to see is a kind of perspective that you didn't ask for enough from life. It was there for you, but you didn't reach for it. You didn't use it. And similarly, that you did not ask for enough from yourself. And I don't mean that in terms of you didn't work hard enough. I mean you didn't let go of some of that busyness and ask for enough from your heart and soul and really let go of some of that overwork, over-distraction, over-engagement in contemporary life and focus in on what really mattered. 
in, in that sense, asking for enough from your heart and soul. So in, in, in particular, that sense of limiting our perspective on who we are, because that's what the unresolved energy of the ancestors does, is it creates for us a sense of reality that is really based on some reality and our own historic limitations that our ancestors have handed down to us. And we perceive of those not as limitations, but as reality. We don't even see them as our beliefs. We just see it as reality. And so we tend to not try to change it or heal it or poke at what those beliefs are and tease them out so that we can transform them. And that's the problem with the unresolved dead is they completely distort our perspective on ourselves and on life. And so what the descendants can do if we can be in right relationship with them, which is a little tricky, is they can help our perspective about those limitations to help us to see the resources were right there, but we didn't reach for them. And so then we come back into our life and work with our ancestral helping spirits or other helping spirits to find out, okay, why don't I see these resources? How do I need to transform? Right? So it's that sense they give us a perspective and then we come back into our life. The descendants give us a perspective and then we come back into our life to make the changes so that we can make use of that perspective. Um, your choices are your responsibility, not theirs. They are not helping spirits in that sense. They are um, a future. They are of a future that is constantly changed by our own choices. But ultimately, what we like to feel is their pull, their desire for our gifts to be already manifest when they arrive. Not in a way that overwhelms our passion for what it is that we're here to do, but in a way that gives that passion a kind of ballast or meaning. Um, So our passion is our first guide. The pull of the descendants is like an affirmation or an acknowledgement or a yahoo. Yeah, do that. Um, So it helps us then to trust, um, particularly when we've got a lot of noise in our life to not trust, to trust putting our resources and our time and energy in that direction. So the thing about the descendants that's important to understand is you should not journey to the descendants. If you want to go communicate with your descendants, you need to journey through the eye of time and be willing to experience the um, uncomfortable sensation of being drawn out into a thin, like a thread, to be uh, threaded through the eye of time, kind of reconstitute on the other side, communicate with the descendants, and then return through the eye of time. And in this way, this willingness to move through the discomfort of the eye of time, we arrive in the future best able to not mess things up. And for those of you that like time travel movies, you know what I'm talking about. Um, It's problematic because the future isn't forged yet. We're forging it every day with our choices. So anyway, the point is ask your helping spirits, take you to the eye of time, move through the eye of time, Get on the other side, ask your questions of the descendants, and then come back through the eye of time, and then think about the answers you got from the descendants and work with them. But the most important thing also with the descendants, celebrate your life. Celebrate the possibility of their life. Celebrate your gifts. Be a beacon of possibility and hope and joy in your life so that they don't have to take on that responsibility for us. So it is the job of the ancestors to remember. It's not the job of the living. We must not allow the past to lock us into patterns that define or limit the present. This time, the living, is a very short time in that great cycle of life, but this time is a potent time. It is the time of choice and free will, and that comes with a body. Once you are an ancestor or a descendant, you no longer have it. So this time, the the living is a potent time. It's a time of choice and of necessary changes, of maintaining and sustaining that which promotes health and well-being for all of life, and innovating and changing those things that are promoting illness and a lack of well-being for all life, especially yourself. 
So true ancestral helping spirits do not want you to repeat their mistakes. They don't promote selfish love, familial limitations, national limitations. They are completely aware that we are a family of humanity and that the next generation, all of them, are your descendants, whether you bear or father children yourself. They are your responsibility. The future is our responsibility now. And the primary reason to cultivate strong, loving, working relationships with ancestral helping spirits is so that we, they have our back while we take responsibility for the world we are creating now and the future that is creating for those who are coming. So I give thanks to the ancestors, the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Mass Evolution is taking people on a wait list for a potential second class here in 2016. Please let us know here at lastmasscenter.org. And you can also look at the calendar at lastmasscenter.org in September and October for the upcoming Portland classes. And please go there to register. Um, so I hope that I've inspired you here today to connect with your own ancestral helping spirits and begin to draw that support into your everyday life. Thank you, everyone. Have a good week.